Hi there, this is uh, Amo Mesarash once again for the Bundesliga Bulletin. I'm going to come up with part two of the podcast of uh, Match Day 6 because, uh, as I told you, managed to watch all nine of the games and take some good notes. So I figured, um, you know, why not share them with you right before uh, we jump into another English Woche and Champions League and whatnot. So before these things go uh, obsolete... And by the wayside, I thought I would just talk about uh, the remaining four games that I didn't get a chance to, starting with Union Berlin against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, perhaps the least uh, interesting of the of the matches. This happened uh, all the way back on Friday. And um, still a couple of notable things that I took away from this, um, particularly that um, Union, who are kind of renowned for uh, their... Um, there are difficulties in attack uh, with one striker and look much better when they have uh, two strikers on. Um, had a lot of the problems that they that they have. I mean, I think the the prevailing uh, thought uh, among sort of Bundesliga people is that Union is a very nice story, um, albeit a thoroughly sort of second division side, which um, has had some nice surprises, uh, particularly at home. So they they rightfully sort of could have expected more against the Frankfurt side that I think is still very much in transition. But so Union uh, lined up in this kind of 4-1-4-1 or 4-3-3 with Schmiedebach returning uh, as a deep-lying playmaker, whereas previously they were playing more of a 4-4-2 and playing Robert Andrich and uh, Christian Gentner as as sort of the double pivot. But now Gentner was pushed up to uh, more of the eight, sometimes even the ten, and they they started with Akaki Andy Gogia, who then uh, unfortunately got hurt and is out for a long time uh, on one of the wings, and Marius uh, Dortmund killer Bilter on the other wing, and Sebastian Anderson was up top, and um, you know I have to say they they sort of struggled in in the build up. I mean they they they've basically um, it just seems like it's a lot of long balls from Subotic and uh, Marvin Friedrich and. Uh, Obviously, when you've got Sebastian Anderson, it's it's a pretty easy thing. I mean, he's a guy who did uh, had fifty challenges in the uh, uh, the relegation promotion playoff against Stuttgart in a game. So, especially you know going up against somebody like uh, Hasebe, um, that there's an advantage. So so that that makes uh, some sense. Um, later on, I think there was a little bit more diagonal passing, particularly by Zubatic. But uh, and and that they were able to attack uh, Frankfurt, and that's that's not that's not that new. I mean, um, Frankfurt is very much vulnerable uh, in the space behind Kostic because um, he likes to get forward and doesn't isn't that great tracking back. I mean, you saw this in the Dortmund game as well, and Hakimi was just running by him. So, uh, but Hinteregger usually helps out pretty well. So they were able to kind of. Uh, take those and other than that Union's attack was mostly um, the standards the uh, set pieces um, and they've been really good at that for a long time that's a sort of a hallmark of, of Ursa Fischer's side is that and then that's that's sort of how um, you know they, they, they try to kind of uh, <clears throat> target the penalty area and sort of have some blocks uh, for the far post um, and uh, you know but Actually, had a couple of nice ones uh, worked out, but uh, Trapp made a, a huge save on, on one of them early in the first half, and that was sort of able to uh, to uh, keep them from uh, from scoring in, in what was, uh, in all fairness, probably the worst 40 minutes 
of Bundesliga this season. I mean, I think Freiburg Düsseldorf wasn't wasn't that great, but this was probably the worst one. And then things kind of picked up in the second half, mostly because um, Eintracht started to come into the the game with their sort of uh, typical uh, uh, attacking ways, which is now what they've been using is uh, the sort of three defenders, three centre backs, of course, and, and uh, the the it's it's what's stranger is that their their centre backs almost operate like full backs at times because they push Jason Fernandez back and he's able to help uh, Asebe who um who in in the build up. So um and Toure and Interregger are pretty athletic enough to to recover and then they've got sort of Durham and Kostic basically playing as wingers. And so they were able to they're able to um take advantage of that early in the second half and um, although they they gave Union the, the possession um, for for a lot of the second half, but that's probably because they scored early, um, particularly uh, because of Dost. But uh, I mean, even that goal was was interesting because I, I kind of felt like that uh, um, Union made a couple of positional mistakes and they were able to you know Frankfurt was able to get the switch to Kostic and get shoot and, and uh, Dost can put in the rebound. But uh, that's something that's been kind of a thing with with, with Frankfurt is that. If they are able to move the ball quickly uh, through the wings, uh, then then they're still very lethal, even with the new uh, striking uh, duo and trio with, with Andre Silva, who's much more of a technical player than than I think uh, sort of the other ones. Certainly, uh, Vrebic is uh, or was, uh, and I think could be sort of a Jovic uh, replacement, um, and certainly of a higher quality than uh, I think Dost, who. Uh, he has some good movements, but I think he's still just more of a, a raw finisher. And Paciencia, I think a lot of people are split on. Uh, I'm, I'm not that very high on him, but uh, he's actually had a nice season. But I think there are still a lot of doubt in my mind that he's sort of age 25 now and never really been a starter. Right? I think there, there is something to be said behind that. But uh, he has been doing, he has been uh, playing well uh, for the most part, although, you know, only got a few minutes here. And, and I think... Uh, Overall, Dost and uh, Silva are going to start with uh, Kamada, who who is a star of my fantasy team, Daichi Kamada, uh, who I think is going to be a really good player if he ever sort of figures out how to uh, make decisions in front of the the uh, goal better. But so, so Frankfurt went on and, and ended up taking the second goal off of a, a quick counterattack where Jibril So and, uh, and um, I think it was uh, Fernandes who, who, who ran out and then they were able to... Uh, just go down the wing and, and get across in uh, for uh, for the uh, for the second goal for Andre Silva and and, and it, to me it game seemed to be over but Union actually mounted a pretty big comeback and that was mostly because they were able to uh, actually come out from their their sort of deep stances and, and bringing in Joshua Mace who I've liked as a dribbler and Anthony Yuja who uh, is is always great uh, when he's sort of a, a sub, super sub but uh, seems to struggle when as a starter and Charaldo Becker um, I thought was a good good one as well so it's tricky with Union because um, even at home they just don't take any risks and uh, they always look good when they do but I think you get the sense that there's a reason why they why they don't because it's really not uh, their style so um, overall I think uh, not particularly one of the greatest games but um, Frankfurt uh, now um, sort of solidified their sort of mid-table spot and uh, built on that Dortmund draw and kind of 
made us forget about that uh, loss in Leipzig and perhaps even and, and certainly in uh, the loss in uh, Augsburg which was the worst one and then the uh, one to Arsenal so uh, I, I'm still not that high on Frankfurt I think they're there's better teams ahead of them. I think that ninth place is about where they're going to end up. And Union uh, is going to be, uh, to me, in the uh, relegation battles just because it's it's so hard for them to uh, to score and I'm not really in love with their uh, quality of their back line. Um, so, yeah, that was the uh, probably the least interesting of the games. And uh, I want to jump around to the Sunday match, which uh, Hertha traveled to Köln and uh, seemed like a, a relegation six-pointer and, and it turned out to to be one although um the plans of Achim Bayer-Lotzer were, were sort of shot early on because uh Drexler got hurt around three minutes in chasing a, a switched ball pulled the muscle and then um therefore 2-2-2 was a little bit different with Kingsley Schindler uh coming in who isn't nearly the creative outlet and I think Drexler is probably the most important current player even with all their forwards who uh Seemed to uh, struggle in this one. Uh, Modest didn't look that great. Uh, Cordoba had had a couple chances early, and and that was really the the end of the Cologne attack. As they had the 14th minute, they had a chance with uh, Cordoba, and I think Kainz Kainz had another one um, at the 18th minute. And Hertha really struggled to to come into the game, and um, to the extent that they wanted to come into the game, and once. Uh, they, their, I mean, their strategy was very clearly just uh, <laughs> counterattack, and the way Chovic set up his four-two-three-one uh, with Stark and, and Boyata, who's now nailed down, nailed down the left center back spot, and having Wolf, Tarida, and Dilrosan and Zelka, just really, really uh, fast guys to to attack. And Dilrosan uh, probably was the well, it's hard to say that he was the player of the game because Ibišević stole the show, but Dilrosan probably would have had this uh, player of the match knocked down because he was just. Uh, you know, basically un- unguardable on on these on these uh, breakouts and runouts, and uh, had, I mean, had his goal obviously, and then had uh, I I want to say like at least two or three big chances uh, on the corners, and a couple times and only uh, um, one or two uh, passes were missing, or just the final sort of uh, the final sort of ball was was not there for uh, for Hertha, but. Uh, it's still like I'm. I'm still all not that uh, super happy with with their game plan, because they they went ahead one uh, zero, continue to uh, kind of sit back and uh, and and basically just play for the counter. I mean, Köln had sixty percent possession, and three shots to one in the first twenty minutes, and then um, Hertha did manage a good twenty minutes on those counter attacks and kind of even up the possession. Um, with uh, you know the way they did it was Schelbred uh, is basically taking over kind of the Lustenberger position where he plays as a third center back in the build up dropping between Stark and Boyata and then they can push up Klinter Mittelstadt and Grujic comes back to circulate possession and Darida is sort of the transition guy and then they try to hit Dilrosan uh, who's really hard to contain one on one in the uh, in the, on the dribble or on the break and. Uh, that's that's been pretty much it, and and Köln, I thought struggled in their counter pressing, uh, even before the red card to Jorge Mere, because and I think the red card I think is, is a good example of the the limitations of, of, of what Köln have, which is um, I think Mere is probably best at a team that has a lot of possession and you can use a lot of ball playing, but but that's not what Köln do, and uh, he struggles when he has to sort of react and close down in space. And I'm still unsure about Bornau and Chichos was, uh, I think, uh, out with an infection. So 
So they were and they were forced to play Benno Schmitz at right back because his boy was suspended from the from the Bayern game. So a very reworked back line and um I, I think Verstrata is, is sorely missed uh, at the defensive midfield spot because Höger, uh, who ended up becoming the emergency center back after Mere was completely rightfully sent off, isn't really doing it all that much uh, for me. And just seemed like a really strange cone team uh, after the red card. But you are willing to give them a mulligan just because they were, they were um, you know, they were 10 men down and... Um, Hertha had a couple, couple of good chances, but I think I think like the the criticism I have of Hertha is that uh, you know Chovic was brought in as this supposedly attacking trainer, who uh, coach who's he's gonna like play out of the back and play like positional play and uh, build up and exciting stuff. And then once like they lost three four games in the uh, in the beginning, it was just like oh, let's just get results. And I mean they were they were just like sitting back against Paderborn and and and, get, and they actually admitted like let's let's have Potter and Warren have 60% possession. And that, that actually came out in this, this match as well. Like in the second half, if you if you look at the first 15 minutes, uh, uh, Köln had uh, 61% possession and a couple of semi-decent chances through Modest on a counter. And then Schindler had, had another one. And um, Hertha were just kind of hanging on and they were happy to, to be like up a goal and hoping to catch them on the counter. And... Um, I didn't like. It's a weird thing to say that I didn't like the Ibišević sub for Zelka because he came in and scored two goals in three in like five minutes. But uh, I didn't like the idea of a sub of taking off your only attacker, uh, being up a goal in uh, away from home. And I thought you just have to kind of go for it with two strikers and try to try to knock them out. Uh, but uh, it worked out. So uh, who am I to uh, to complain? And uh, certainly it looks like Hertha are are seemingly back on the good side of the results. But uh, you know, I think uh, they were fortunate to win against Paderborn, and although they were deserved winners here, I think the the red card and um, some of the some of the common mistakes I think uh, helped them. Uh, so I'd be still really cautious if I if I were a, a Hertha fan because uh, I, I I don't really like where they're going in terms of direction, and uh, and they're um, you know the like it, it, it's a team that to me had sort of an identity um, and that just kind of some bad results came and, you know, turns out Wolfsburg are a really good team, Schalke are, are a really good team and they beat themselves and, you know, can't really blame uh, them for uh, losing to to uh, to Bayern and Mainz actually, you know, uh, outplayed them or, or they outplayed Mainz so, so they, got, they, got un, they got unlucky in uh, in that one and uh, it just seemed like they were, now they're kind of in a bit of a panic move and, you ended up getting results, so uh, it's likely to uh, continue. But uh, I think for the development of Hertha, that's probably not uh, not that great of a sign. But the schedule looks favorable with Düsseldorf, Bremen, not so good Hoffenheim sign, and uh, then the Berlin derby against Union. So at least they were able to get out of the relegation spots. And now that, that the the bottom is so congested, I think I think they're probably going to be fine for the for the foreseeable future because their attack still seems really uh, useful with Duros on Mr. September and then, you know, obviously if they can integrate Eduard Liv and or Luca Bacchio, they're probably going to be okay. I just uh, didn't really like the way they uh, went about it. And obviously for Köln, it's going to be difficult. Uh, they're, they're now in the relegation battle where, where you know, a lot of people didn't think they would be, but uh, having lost uh, 
five games and the negative 11 goal difference is, is, is not great and only scored four goals which is the worst in the division in the division with uh, Hoffenheim um, and uh, they're also near bottom with expected goals so uh, it's tough I mean John Cordoba is still still we're still waiting on the John Cordoba uh, Bundesliga goal and uh, they're sort of famous the modest Cordoba checking to um, looks uh, I think a little bit overmatched but uh, it's hard to say I think uh, it's still early their schedule was really tough with Wolfsburg, Dortmund, Gladbach, Bayern uh, so you know don't to particularly mind uh, losing to them so we'll, we'll see with the you know f- f- their their schedule is going to be up after the Schalke game Paderborn minds Düsseldorf and Hoffenheim and they should be able to pick up some uh, some points there so um Moving right along, there are two two games that I uh, wanted to uh, finish up with, which uh, I thought Mainz and the, Mainz uh, playing Wolfsburg, which <laughs> didn't seem like it was uh, it would be the greatest game, but uh, it turned out to be really entertaining. And if you just look at the numbers, it's it doesn't really tell uh, tell the story because the expected goals were about uh, like one two, like one point two uh, in favor of. Of Mainz and uh, the shots were fifteen to four. So, so how did Wolfsburg get uh, uh, one xG from uh, four shots? Well, um, basically uh, they they came out in their usual three four two one, and Gilavogi now played the defensive six next to Maxi Arnold, and they reactivated uh, Bruma, who had a nice game at uh, center back in the, in the middle, and um, you know it was it was one of those games where. Um, Mainz came out to trying to attack um, with with their sort of typical uh, diamond formation uh, with Baku and Fernandez as the eight and Bertius as sort of the the ten behind Quaison and Salai, and they had struggles in the build up. I mean, Wolfsburg is the best uh, to me, uh, one of the best defensive teams. I mean, they're right there with Bayern in terms of expected goals allowed. They're um, also right there in uh, a lot of the pressing statistics and. Uh, Glasner, uh, if you know his philosophy, he's uh, he's a lot about sort of disturbing the play early and um, not letting the opponent build up. And and Mainz uh, did struggle in that sense because it seems like there's 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 basically two ways for them to progress the ball, which is uh, um, Saint Just, who can actually have a nice cross field pass on him. He was able to hit uh, cross court to to the left side uh, a few times, um, and then. 20, 29th minute, uh, sort of 34th minute. Um, so that was a good good switches there. And then Kunde, who can uh, who can come in and, and play make, but uh, Glasner was ready for that because he used Weghorst as just like a, almost like a man marking, uh, cover shadowing uh, Kunde. And then that, that let uh, Mainz's center backs build up and that wasn't a great idea. Um, I still think Edimilson Fernandez has difficulties uh, playing under pressure and playing... Uh, not turnovers basically and um, Baku is there mostly for his uh, dynamism so um, the game uh, sort of you know the wasn't just kind of going on and um, Wolfsburg ended up scoring from a, a very nice uh, set piece where a corner where they took a short corner because they were 2v1 and then um, Maxi Arnold was able to find the far post where Tisserand came in and that was really the uh, the only goal of the game and then they had a really big chance through Valt uh, Vekhorst, who um, got denied by by a really good save by by Zetner. and uh, and that was sort of the end of their. Uh, I mean, that was two go. That was two shots for zero point nine of their zero point ninety nine xG. If you look at the understat numbers, 
and that was two of their four shots. So um, after that, it was it was pretty much uh, all Mainz. If you if you watch this one, and um, I thought that Mainz struggled in the first half uh, in terms of the attacking for the reasons that I that I mentioned, and really didn't have a lot of chances until uh, around the thirtieth minute for for Abotius, who had a, a sort of turnaround shot. Um, and uh, things got better in the second half, mostly because they were they were able to bring on Karim Onisivo, who uh, is a lot more uh, dribbly and mobile than uh, well, Quaison is not exactly immobile, but Quaison seems to me that he's more about just like being in front of the goal and getting there on not a lot of space. And Onisivo seems to work better. They also switched around the front uh, three, and they did kind of play a front three against the ball. So Salai was. Uh, was kind of a right forward in in defense in the first half, and Botius was the ten, and uh, Quaison was a left left sided forward, and then in the second half they uh, put Salai as sort of the, the center of that front three, and that looked a little bit better. I, I, I wasn't sure why they switched that. Maybe that had to do with uh, perhaps some uh, some some passing, or, or perhaps they thought uh, Tisserand was. Stronger, the strongest of the the back three of Wolfsburg. That would be a interesting question to ask for uh, Sandro Schwartz. But um, so they they I think when when mine started to look really good was mostly uh, I don't say out of desperation, but um, they made a couple of changes which were very offensive. Uh, not just on the one, but uh, in the 62nd minute they they took out uh, Ronald Pierre Gabriel, who's the right back, and um, brought in Alexandru Maxim, who's an attacking eight ten. And they put Baku back as the right back, and they, they basically were uh, once they once they took out Fernandes in the seventy fifth, they they were playing like a four three three, with uh, Maxim Kunde and Botius, and then they had Quaison Salai and Awuniji, and particularly or uh, Salai uh, Salai was in the middle, and uh, Onisivo was the was left winger, and he and Awuniji were able to get into one on ones and get into some some dribble. Um, situations and, and and create some chances and, and actually uh was or uh, wasburg had uh, one shot only and after the 60th minute and mines uh, created uh, nine shots although uh you know not a ton of expected goals and only uh, two of those uh, made it on target and, and five of them were blocked so um wasn't particularly efficient but uh, they really had uh, two good chances with the uh, deflected uh, Alexandru Maxim shot in the 76th hitting the bar and then Salah had this uh, chance that he really worked out for, out for himself he really uh, pushed himself there in the uh, 89th minute uh, getting on sort of uh, 5 or 6 yards and was able to turn around and release a shot that looked like a surefire goal until Tisserand somehow cleared it off the line so clearly the the hero of the match was uh, Marcel Tisserand getting getting the goal and getting the uh, game saving uh, tackle but uh, so very frustrating loss for uh, for Mainz who uh, were uh, you know again not able to not able to get it done and uh, seems like a lot of the breaks are not going their way and Sandro Schwartz was was sent off for, for running onto the pitch and a lot of frustration for FSV who uh, are having a, a kind of a season from hell um, really, the the good news for them is that uh, there's a lot of other teams. Uh, I think Augsburg, Düsseldorf, Union Berlin, Köln, and Paderborn who are right there with them and uh, don't look uh, certainly don't look better. Um, and you know, if if Mainz uh, can can get a little bit of their uh, finishing up, I mean, uh, they've actually 
done okay with expected goals on nearly seven, but uh, actual goals are just eight, and Salah is still still yet to score. Um, you know, and uh, uh, you know, it's nobody other than Kwaizan has uh, more than one goal, uh, obviously, and and he's uh, he's not. I mean, it's it seems to be like he and uh, Anisivo are just going to alternate, and you know, you have to hope that Salai finds sort of uh, some goals, and uh, there's a good chance that they play Paderborn, Düsseldorf, and Köln. So those those three games, I think, are going to determine their season uh, because. If they're able to get some points, they they could they could separate themselves and they could potentially push out of uh, relegation. And meanwhile, for uh, for Wolfsburg, I think a great accomplishment to still be unbeaten at this juncture, um, especially sort of after three draws. Um, who you know, uh, two of those were fairly even draws uh, against uh, Paderborn and Hoffenheim and Düsseldorf, and not not sort of the three of the strongest opponents, but. Uh, Nice recovery there, and uh, you know, not the hardest schedule. So, so that's that's something for them to to take in mind. And uh, but they've dealt with some injuries. Uh, they've you know, Joel Victor is 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 now sort of not a starter anymore. Kevin Mbabu hasn't been able to to uh, get ahead of Willian. Um, then they're obviously missing John Anthony Brooks, and then they missed Castiles. Um, still with that Camacho. So all in all, I think Glasner is doing a fantastic job, but the real tests are going to come in for the next six games against uh, Leipzig, Dortmund, Leverkusen, Frankfurt. So we shall see if they are a real Champions League, Europa League contender or not. Um, I would tend to think that they are and that Glasner's style uh, probably works better against uh, opponents of a higher quality, but uh, we'll have to see. And finally... There is one more game left to talk about, and that is Augsburg uh, losing at home to Bayer Leverkusen. And you know, if you didn't see this game, you you could have just been uh, not wrong if you said, "Well, typical uh, Leverkusen win where they had a crazy amount of possession, you know, seventy-five percent at the end and three goals." But um, it doesn't really tell the story, although that's not particularly wrong I mean um, the reason why they had a lot of possession because um, Augsburg just didn't seem to want the ball and but a lot of the possession that Leverkusen had was sort of the defensive position and trying to build out of the back and Augsburg did a good job of uh, restricting that uh, in the 4-4-2 formation with uh, the debutante Iago who uh, is their summer signing from Brazil uh, playing ahead of Philip Max as sort of the left midfield and Max was the left uh, defender and Ruben Vargas moved to uh, the the right side uh, but they, they didn't change uh, a couple times in this match and um, they reintroduced uh, Reese Oxford who uh, was good in the previous game and he's sort of their destroyer and Kadira is more their creator but uh, we'll talk about how creating that and Augsburg are not exactly uh, things that go hand in hand and Leverkusen also rested and rotated ahead of the Juventus Champions League game and they got uh, Mitchell Weiser into the team and Daly Sinkraven who played in the asymmetric back uh, Four back, it was really a back three. He's he's playing the Wendell role, where he's basically a central left central defender in the build up, and then they played the uh, Foland as the left winger. So it's the uh, three two four one or three six one as we you know we discussed with Eliano Lucem uh, in the preview season preview. Um, that's that's going to be a formation that they are using since the four three three isn't working. And um, Alario Lucas Alario was there. Uh, 
central striker and another uh, appearance on the bench for Jonathan Ta, who seems to be out of favor for after some difficult spells. And so, um, you know, if you looked at the first 20 minutes, Leverkusen had 200 passes to 30. And uh, they were able to get out from the pressure because they were very patient and used Radetzky in the build-up. But there are two ways that they that they able, were able to use this. One of them was on the right side. So they basically would, would start the... Uh, the passing uh, in the build-up in the uh, the back with the three central back and uh, Khradetsky playing 3v2 or, or 4 or 4v2 against the, the two pressers uh, Niederlechner and Vinbogason but then when the uh, the wide the, the wide players of uh, Augsburg, Iago and Vargas pressed up uh, all that advantage was nullified numerically and that actually needed Peter Bosch to have uh, Arangis brought back, Baumgartlinger drop back on goal kicks and then they had Kai Havertz come into the right half space and one of their combinations was uh, basically just uh, playing uh, one of the centre-backs would find Havertz and then he would uh, find Arangis and then Arangis released uh, Mitchell Weiser in the third man run who was very high up on the pitch, I mean that's very typical for Bosch is that this is what Lars Bender does as well, is that the right-sided uh, defender is really not a defender. He plays more like a winger. So they were able to to get there because of the quickness of thought and the technique of Havertz and those runs and threatened and, and got some good chances there. Um, in when those third, third man runs, Havertz had a nice dribbling sequence in the 30th minute. Amiri, I thought, had his best game for Leverkusen, particularly in the counter-pressing phases, was able to to win the ball back and uh, and play play solid and, and get to get the chances, but uh, not a lot of chances in, in this one uh, for the first half hour. Um, I, I would I would say that uh, you know um, even if you looked at sort of xG and stuff, it was like zero point one to zero point zero. <laughs> so certainly nothing from Augsburg, and then they got that sort of um, fluky own goal uh, where um, you know neither Lechner ended up. Uh, Heading the ball into his own net, um, kind of trying to save a, a cross, and um, you know, it, you know, you want to say that it changed the dynamic of the game, but it really didn't. I mean, uh, at least Augsburg had some possession after that. I mean, before before the goal, it was like eighty five percent to to Leverkusen. Uh, after the goal, Augsburg at least came up to thirty percent. So so that's that's a, a little bit better. Um, particularly was because of the the switches between uh, uh, Vargas and Iago, but still Augsburg. I um, mean, they've got Yedvai and Udakai, who are at least good defending center backs, but uh, very little um, involvement in build up, and that, that obviously has to do with Leverkusen's really strong uh, counter pressing. Is that they just really don't allow you to to break through them, and then Augsburg just don't really have sort of this type of central midfielders who can come back and progress the ball that's not Oxford's game. Kadira theoretically could be that type of a player and obviously Daniel Bayer is that type of a player but he's uh, was on the bench and Gregoric doesn't play for some reason under Martin Schmidt um, so that's uh, that's kind of a strange decision but uh, now they've just become kind of one of these cookie cutter teams that just presses really well, defends valiantly but uh, really struggles in, in attack uh, and one thing I noticed against with with Augsburg was uh, Stefan Kubek as the goalkeeper, and with his feet, he just seems to be under all kinds of pressure and have a lot of difficulties. Uh, I think early on there was like two or three times that uh, he was called upon, and then Leverkusen ended up pressing him and just kicked it out of bounds. And then there was another weird uh, 
weird uh, situation where he actually dribbled out and was successful, but it looked very shaky. So after, other than that, uh, they, they, they had a couple of Ruben Vargas uh, uh, one-on-ones and a counter-attack, but Leverkusen dealt with that quite well with uh, Dragovic, uh, who, who I thought had a, had a really nice game and uh, really uh, uh, calmed down and nailed down the spot, I think, which uh, not a lot of people would have expected and Sinkraven also had a, good, a couple of good tackles against Vargas in the end of the first half and then you know um, early in the second half Leverkusen came out and kind of put this game to bed mostly uh, through Folland and Kai Havertz and Arangis who were able to combine and, and release and, and, and hit them on the counter um, there was a semi-controversial uh, penalty that I think ended up rightfully not being called after VAR overturned it um, and then Augsburg had that one chance in the 52nd where Vargas was able to go on a 2v2 but couldn't find uh, Finn Bogason who um, didn't have a very good game um, neither Lechner looked a lot better and then uh, surprisingly Julian Schieber had the uh, biggest chance for Augsburg and I think that sort of tells you uh, both ironically and unironically everything you need to know about uh, where they are um, and didn't really help that they switched Diago and Vargas at halftime. But, uh, you know, then, then Leverkusen uh, kind of scored in late, two goals late and put this game to bed. But it just seemed to be one of those games that uh, Augsburg were just never going never gonna to score in. So uh, a good recovery for uh, Peter Bosch's side, who, uh, you know, after that uh, fairly disappointing uh, thrashing by by Dortmund seemed to have and then obviously getting uh, getting beaten in the Champions League uh, seemed to have uh, recovered pretty well and they're playing uh, Juventus on, on Tuesday a uh, huge test for them and then they've got uh, Leipzig and Frankfurt so uh, no rest for the wicked and uh, I think it's good that he rotated and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, watching uh, those matches and then for Augsburg, meanwhile, uh, again, a difficult season, I think, but they've at least stabilized, certainly compared to the early cup exits and the thrashing by uh, Dortmund side that uh, we might have overrated. Um, their results have uh, have uh, improved, I want to say, uh, with uh, certainly with the Frankfurt win and uh, the draw in Freiburg, uh, which which uh, is is now uh, very meaningful given how good Freiburg are, and even in this game, I thought you know defensively they they held their own. Just uh, need to figure out a way to uh, generate enough uh, offense, and I think that's uh, that's something that uh, a lot of their other uh, relegation battling teams uh, need to kind of think about. But uh, the good thing for them is they've got uh, Niederlechner and Ruben Vargas both with three goals, and Niederlechner very useful in pressing and uh, kind of a pain in the butt to uh, deal with on, on counterattacks. So a lot of talent in that side. I'm just uh, not really sure Martin Schmidt is going to be the person who's going to be able to extricate the uh, most out of that talent. And unfortunately for them, their schedule is just going to get brutal because they're playing Gladbach, Bayern, Wolfsburg and Schalke. Um, who, uh, if you looked at the, uh, the schedule, it's... Uh, you know, the top seven teams, there's four, and they just played Leverkusen, so the six of the top seven in their last uh, five games. So uh, we, we might see them uh, drop further down before before things get uh, better. But uh, for, for the moment, they're in 13th place. And that's certainly much better after what looked like uh, they were going to be the relegation candidates after that match day one. So um, that's pretty much uh, match day nine, match day six for you, and uh, all nine matches uh, that I 
wanted to kind of get in depth about and uh, well let us know uh, what you think and uh, you know we didn't get any questions for this portion so that's uh, that's probably fine so you just uh, had had me talk for a little bit so hopefully that was okay and uh, if you liked what you heard and if you uh, enjoy the content in the Bundesliga bulletin don't forget to uh, subscribe and uh, share and uh, tell everybody about it thank you very much <laughs>